This is the Humerian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts for the well-being of yours. So today we're going to talk with Dr. Smith, who, (laughs) sorry. We've already talked to Dr. Smith. We're just going to keep talking to Dr. Smith because Dr. Smith is really smart. Actually, yeah. And I really think I could talk to her for hours. Oh, my gosh. Um, absolutely. So. And, but, and she has some up-and-coming books and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, about, yeah. But, but, now, but now we're focused on thyroid. Thyroid disease. That's yes, exactly yes. right. Yes, So what you must know about thyroid disease. Uh, great book. Interesting read. Yep. Um, very important topic as the uh, chemical conductor of all things that happen in the body. 400 driving areas of the body. Yep. Think about 400 things occur because your thyroid works right or, or doesn't, doesn't work, work right. right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and what I think you're going to find is um, how you're screened for it will be very important. I think I, hopefully she'll be getting into all those types of things. But an excellent, excellent interview. And, and make sure you tune in. Make sure you share it with your friends immediately. Absolutely. Let's dive right in. Excellent. So we're back at the Humerian Health Podcast, Dr. Benzinger and myself, Amy Baker, and we're joined uh, by Dr. Pamela Smith, who is the author of many, many books, many books, Um, but today in particular, we're going to talk about what you must know about thyroid disorders and what to do about them. So thank you, Dr. Smith, for joining us. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here today. We sure appreciate it. Uh, We've already interviewed you in the past for... um, for women's issues, and um, we hope to be able to get you on your, on all forty of your books. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how many books have you written. Um, ten books. I have a new book coming out in this summer on vitamins, and oh. um, at the end of the year, I have a book coming out on autoimmune diseases. Oh, oh, that's really good. Well, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, we'll enjoy your time with us enough that we we can <laughs> we get can a get couple more. Like, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm not doing it with them. Mm-mm. It's just way too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> no, very easy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so autoimmune. That I think that is wonderful because, uh, as 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 we know, um, autoimmune conditions I think are elevating in our society and, and becoming a major issue. But that's I know, the but today today's today is about thyroid. Okay, so I, I'll get off and <laughs> Amy like pull 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 well, back. Pull, pull back. Uh, actually now that you mention it, there are two autoimmune diseases uh, that are thyroid related and that's low thyroid function that's autoimmune called okay. Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Right. And hyperthyroidism or high thyroid function that's autoimmune called Graves' disease. Mm. Okay, so there we are. We're right into it. It's all connected together. That's what I'm learning for sure. So I have your book in front of me, um, What You Must Know About Thyroid Disorders and What to Do About Them. And right at the very top, it says one in 20 people have a thyroid problem and with the majority of sufferers being women. That is a huge number, a huge number. That shocked me. That means the thyroid is a sexist organ. <laughs> I don't think that's what that means. <laughs> this well, is a real the problem. Thyroid. <laughs> the thyroid is the conductor of the body. Okay. And it's a conductor of the hormonal symphony, but particularly everything that occurs in the body really is regulated by thyroid. Hmm. And so it's important that the thyroid function be optimal and not just normal. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about the thyroid and its remarkable function. Um, what does it orchestrate? What are its key factors? And just kind of give us an understanding, give the listener kind of an understanding. Here's your thyroid. It's, you know, in your throat area, and it does what? Well, again, your thyroid is in the throat area, and it really does regulate everything in the body, whether your memory and focus are sharp, 
whether you have energy, whether you're able to be the weight you want to be. I mean, all of these things are really regulated by thyroid. So to give you some examples of symptoms of low thyroid function, there's a myriad of them. So they can be anywhere from allergies to carpal tunnel to constipation to decreased sexual interest to easy bruising, erectile dysfunction, fluid retention, cortisol levels that are not normal, high blood sugar, uh, inability to concentrate, even iron deficiency anemia and Mm -hmm. infertility can be part of low thyroid function. Morning stiffness, slow speech, poor night vision, nails that are brittle and broken easy. I mean, there's so many different symptoms of low thyroid function. It crosses over into almost everything you can think of because it does regulate the entire body. That is amazing. I mean, <laughs> Amy's just her mouth just dropping know, open. Like, well, oh my gosh, that's everything I've ever had wrong with. So, me. <laughs> so the the thought I would have then is if I went into my GP or um, specialist and had any one or any number of those symptoms, is thyroid going to be the first thing that they check, or like where I guess in your overall sort of healthcare pathway does does checking on your thyroid actually show up? seems like it'd be the first thing, but I don't know that I've ever had a doctor talk to me about my thyroid. Well, certainly if you've had any of the symptoms, you want to look at thyroid. But commonly in medicine, they just do a screening test. And they just measure something called TSH, which stands for thyroid stimulating hormone. It's not thyroid hormone itself. It's the hormone that is produced in the pituitary, in the brain, to see and increase the production of thyroid hormone. And the two major thyroid hormones are T3 and T4. So if you really want to look at optimizing thyroid function, you want to have measured, and these are all by blood, TSH, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, which is stored thyroid, and thyroid antibodies, if the body's producing antibodies against its own thyroid gland. But routinely, a lot of practitioners who are not trained in a functional medicine and anti-aging approach, they just measure TSH. And sometimes that looks okay, and the patient can still have symptoms of low thyroid function. Hmm. And I'm telling you, listeners right now are going, that's me. Oh, my gosh, I know it's my thyroid, but it's always been normal. Doc won't do anything, won't check any further, and TSH is all they're going to test, and they will not test anything else. I have heard that literally thousands of times in my years of practice. So I agree with you that this is an ongoing and almost like, I don't want to say ignorant, it's it's it's... Um, well, let's just not use any words to it. Um, let's just say the following. Um, you've kind of laid out what, if you're going to screen the thyroid, these are the, these are the things that need to be tested. And you specifically said free T3 and free T4. Why? Because you want to know the hormone that's available for the body to use and not the amount that's bound and unavailable for the body to use for its different functions. Okay. So let's say that we get just a TSH done. How could it mislead us 
if we are or if we have something potentially going on with our thyroid, how would just doing the TSH maybe mislead the physician to think um, you're fine and it really not be? What are some of the scenarios to look at? Well, a couple of different ones. Um, the first one has to do with the fact that you can have a very normal TSH, and when you go and measure the free T3 and free T4, they're actually low. So that scenario can occur. The other one is the optimal levels. A range of TSH is, in most labs, 0 0.34 to 5.5. Studies done by anti-aging physicians and endocrinologists have shown that a healthy patient, the average TSH is 1.5. So certainly from an anti-aging and functional medicine approach, optimal TSH should be the lowest limit of normal up to 2 to 2.5. And the endocrinologist will say 2.5. The anti-aging docs will say 2. But it's not 3 or 3.5. And a lot of times when patients come in to see us, they will have a TSH of 4 or 3.5, which is not optimal function. And they do have a lot of the symptoms that we look at here, particularly things like depression, uh, low thyroid function, mm -hmm. very common cause sure. of depression. Yep. Yeah, and I've heard of so many things, whether it be miscarriages to all kinds of things, because the thyroid associates and drives so many things in the in the body. So just to reiterate, when they're measuring TSH, they're measuring kind of your brain or your pituitary telling your thyroid to either make more or make less of the other hormone, correct? That's correct. Okay. So that's what it's measuring, but it could be saying yeah, that you don't need any more, but you actually have less. There's that disassociation. Well, it is. It's a disassociation because the TSH is actually the stimulating hormone and not the hormone itself. So, again, the higher the TSH, the more dysfunction there is. Excellent. So we've talked a, a bit about what could happen if you have an, not enough or too much thyroid function, but what causes it to misfunction or dysfunction? Yeah. What's the right word? Dysfunction? Misfire? I don't know. Misfire? Yeah. yeah. What's it all the, works. Yeah, what, it ain't working right. As, yeah. What causes it Fix not to Thank you. What causes it not to work? Let me speak in like human terms. <laughs> <laughs> well, the most common reason uh, is low iodine and certainly in the Midwest. Yeah. Uh, hmm. It is absolutely low iodine. So it's still, so it's still common to, to be iodine even though iodine salt and everything's been shoved on us forever. So iodine's still one of those number one things to concern, be concerned with. Oh, absolutely. And hmm. part of it is most of the salt in, you know, where you are in Indiana and where I am in Michigan, mm -hmm. most of the salt is iodinized, meaning it has iodine in it. But now we've made people afraid of a salt shake. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> right. Good point. Yeah, that's right. Okay. They don't get iodine. And it is a major cause, iodine deficiency is, of low thyroid function. And part of that has to do with not just foods that are grown in depleted soil, like there occurs in the Midwest, but if patients have a lot of pasta or bread in their diet, it contains bromide. And if you have a lot of bromide, then it kicks off iodine from the receptor sites. Um, fluoride use uh, sometimes inhibits iodine binding. Um, medications like asthma inhalers and other medicines can have fluoride in them. 
Um, there's a, a number of reasons why iodine deficiency is actually pretty common. Hmm. Makes sense. Now, the bromide thing is what is kind of interesting is if you've had um, a person who's a bready, I mean, they got bread with everything, bread's the big thing, and you start them on just straight iodine. Uh, sometimes they'll come in and say, oh My gosh, I got like yellow on my skin. And, and it's, it's actually the bromide being pushed out. Huh. Actually, yeah. you've seen that happen. It's it's like they'll 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 say, "Look," and they grab this sheet of paper and they got this little yellow outline, and it's so bizarre. The first time I ever saw it, I had to double check myself. But I thought, "Oh yeah, it's got to be the bromide." But it's <laughs> that heavily in breads, and if you eat a lot of it over time, you do accumulate it, and causes this problem. Absolutely, and iodine is important for other things besides the thyroid. It's important for breast health, and some people that don't have iodine develop headaches, even migraine headaches. Uh, people who have Dupuytren's contractures, where they have contractures in their hands, oh. heloids, ovarian cysts. I mean, there's a number of things that are directly tied to iodine deficiency. Yeah. Well, and I remember one doc one time talking about how, um, the, the, I don't remember how many times the entire bloodstream goes through the thyroid per minute or per hour but it helps cleanse the blood because iodine is used to help kill. It, it is, and that's the reason why uh, when I was small, you bought a little tincture of iodine. If you got right. an infection, mm-hmm. your mom took and put that iodine right on where you had that cut, and then you didn't get infected. Isn't that interesting? And it's, I mean, now that we've had the antibody creams and all those type things, even though it's the same cream since 1949 <laughs> or 1849, um, iodine still, still works. works yeah. Still works, yeah. So is there some sort of a test to determine whether you have appropriate levels of iodine then, like there is for thyroid testing? There is. And for iodine testing, it's a urine test. And we always recommend that people don't just go out and take iodine. We recommend that you do do testing because if you have too much iodine, then that increases what's called thyroiditis, meaning inflammation in the thyroid gland, uh, in the thyroid gland. And also, if you have too much iodine, then that may increase your risk of thyroid cancer. Um, so we don't tell people indiscriminately, just go take iodine. Let's measure iodine, simple urine test. If you're low, then we want to replace it. Interesting. It okay. is interesting, isn't it? And really, fluoride, I mean, they've recently started changing things with fluoride in water because they finally figured out that they really were putting too much in. So mm-hmm. that's at least learning slowly that it's an issue. And I always thought it was kind of a farce when you get a fluoride rinse at the doctor's office at the at the percentage that they loaded into your mouth. I mean... But that stuff tastes good. That like strawberry all, fluoride I I've never bite. gotten it. They've asked, well, you want me to do fluoride? No, I don't want a fluoride rinse. My I haven't had don't. one either, but for a long time. Oh, okay. But they used to put in the little trays, the little strawberry gel. Are you serious? And, it's, and it's, yeah. it's tastes... It tastes well, good. Well, they make it taste good. Because so you, you have know, to, because yeah, okay. it sits in your mouth and for like two minutes. And they charge you 40 bucks gross. for a little yeah. Rinse. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, so um, we launch our podcasts uh, in different orders depending on you know timing and stuff. And so it may be that our listeners have not yet heard some of the other conversations that we've had with you. But now I'm curious on the whole on the whole testing side, so I'm going to go ahead and ask this go question now, it. even though it's, it's not related specifically to thyroid. But um, you've talked to us about testing for iodine, testing for thyroid, testing for levels of other um, hormones and things, and um, working with someone more maybe in the anti-aging um, specialty than just maybe your general GP. And so the question I would have then, is there sort of a 
overall starting place. Like if if you if you found the the appropriate anti-aging doc and you said, "Listen, I just so this is me. I'm thinking I want to go in and just get a baseline of all the things like yeah. iodine, thyroid, um, you name it, estrogen, testosterone, all of the things." Is that do they do that or is it really more um, symptom um, and issue specific if I were to go and see, you know, to see someone and say, okay, I, you know, they would start out and say, well, let's test, you know, your thyroid first. And then maybe in a year we'd want to test your estrogen. And then, you know, you know what I mean? Like, is there just a, here's the panel that you should have tested. You should have a urine test. You should have a blood test. You should have a saliva test and you should get these 64 markers. And that's what you should know. Like, I don't know. That seems too easy, but I would really like to do that. <laughs> so is, is, is that, is that a thing? I, yeah, that's my, that's my question. Well, certainly, you know, some patients come to see us when they're very, very healthy. They mm-hmm. just want to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. If you ask me the perfect time, particularly in a male, to measure hormonal function, I would measure all males at 25 years of age because that's when they have their peak testosterone levels. Oh, you missed now, it, Dr. Benzinger. You're I, out. I have no chance. <laughs> you, you are now no uh, longer peak gonna, is what I'm she gonna said. I'm going to make up a fate blood test and say, well, look at that. I was pretty good back then. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, and that's, that way we know exactly what their norm is huh. because there is good a point. range yep. of normal when it comes to all of this. Sometimes people come in to see us because they're either world-class athletes or they're weekend warriors. Mm-hmm. And they want to know when they aggressively exercise. Because if you're pumping iron seven days a week or you're marathoning, that's aggressive exercise. And your body actually gets deplete in a number of very important nutrients if you don't replenish those just from exercise. Mm-hmm. So there's never really a bad time to come in and see us. When people ask me, when should I start an anti-aging approach, my response is before you're born. No pressure there. No pressure. Because we know from Dr. David Perlmutter and others that when women, when they're pregnant, if they take omega-3 fatty acids, which are fish oil, right. that are pharmaceutical grade, when they're pregnant, their children have higher IQs, less learning disabilities. Right. So actually, the best time to start is before you're born. And why not Why not that just be a standard? That's I mean, fantastic. if the measurables are there, I mean, just to make sense. So, okay. So we got to iodine being one Sorry, thing. Sorry, okay. I, der- I derailed us a little bit. <laughs> are there other things that we should, we should be looking at in our evaluation to add into a diet or a plan and withdrawal? Of, I, I, I know, you know, rich white flowers, we've already talked about bromide. What else do we look at? Well, there's a lot of things that affect what happens with thyroid. And when I mentioned before the thyroid hormone is T3 and T4, the T3 is the more active component. So what the body does if the patient is healthy, it takes T4 and it turns it into T3. So you have a balance of all of those. If the patient's not healthy, then they don't make that very important conversion. And that's when people a lot of times come in with symptoms of low thyroid function. Um, So they may be zinc deficient. Uh, They may be selenium deficient. They may be B vitamin deficient. Uh, They may be on a medication that causes thyroid dysfunction. Believe it or not, all contraceptives can because when you have estrogen that you're taking at any age, 
whether it's birth control pills, patches, IUDs, natural or synthetic hormones, it depletes the body of B, as in boy, vitamins. Hmm. You need B vitamins to make the thyroid work. So sometimes people that are even just on medications end up with low thyroid function because they don't have enough nutrients. Hmm. So eating better, multivitamin, certainly at least in 10% of the cases and maybe more, is really what people need to do, and then the thyroid picks right back up. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, a long time ago I got the opportunity to interview Thierry Hertong, who's, um, you, you may or may not know personally, but he, um, his grandfather was the one that started using pig thyroid, armor thyroid, in 1898. And he was the grandson. And I made a very big mistake uh, <laughs> when I was uh, doing national radio of having uh, a uh, medical physician that was an endocrinologist from a standard American university. And he himself in the same room uh, in a live call-in radio program in which a person, of course, called in about a thyroid condition and the um, the physician that was an endocrinologist from the USA, you know, immediately moved into how he would start him on Synthroid and everything else. I, Thierry just about fell off his, his chair and, 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 <laughs> and he was trying everything he could to just say, where did you get taught, taught this kind of uh, treatment? Because of course there, they do a lot of these types of things to try to, he says 90 to 95% don't end up on on uh, hormone replacement, just simply because it's repairable once you find out the cause and effect, whether it be immune or nutrients or otherwise. So um, it was just, um, I, I thought he was going to come across the table and, and knock the other guy out because he was so angry. Um, but it was very inter- it was a learning experience, and you try to you try to balance that for an hour <laughs> and and not have anybody kill each other. It That's was, why it, we only let people call in now. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> not not a good mm-hmm. thing. So anyhow. Um, how, why are females kind of picked on? Why, why is, what's the tendency? Is it immune-related? Why? Well, it may be because they've been on a medication um, that we've mentioned that can commonly be a cause. Okay. Also, most autoimmune diseases tend to be more common in females than males. And so it certainly can be an autoimmune process. And the way to look at doing that is if someone has any autoimmune disease, we have them stop gluten. We fix their gut. So we do what's called the 4R program where we remove, repair, we inoculate, and really look at better thyroid or better function of the gut. And then there's something new out called low-dose naltrexone that we use for patients who have an autoimmune disease really of any variety because you don't want the body attacking itself. The other thing out that's really new and very important from Ken Holtorf's work is that we get that reverse T3 to see how thyroid transport is going on, meaning is the thyroid hormone being transported into different parts of the body the way it's supposed to. And it particularly looks at transport of thyroid hormone into the cell. And that is a function of what's called the mitochondria, which are literally the engines in the body. And so if reverse T3 is high, then you may have thyroid hormone, but the transport is poor. And so you have to fix that so it gets into the cells. 
Okay. Mm. Interesting. Very useful. Yeah. Very useful. Yeah. So we've talked um, early on in the podcast, we talked about how many different things the thyroid um, affects. And I'm curious, this is a very sort of specific um, area, which is mental health and just how your brain functions and memory. Um, and again, the reason that for me this sort of comes to mind is as I'm getting older and as my friends are getting older, we have those moments, right? Where it's like, what was I about to say? <laughs> mean like, uh, yeah. or uh, like I did. Uh, or like you earlier. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to call you out by name, but yeah. since you did, I okay. will go ahead and totally ride along it. with that. Yeah. But so, yeah, can you just talk to us a, a bit about how thyroid and memory and your brain, kind of how those things are related? Absolutely. Thyroid regulates memory and concentration. It also regulates the neurotransmitters in the body. So it also regulates mood. So it regulates epinephrine, norepinephrine, GABA, PEA, serotonin, the happy neurotransmitter. All of those things have to function well to have good mood. And from the viewpoint of memory, memory really is very much governed by the T3 component. Hmm. And so if the patient has low thyroid function and T4 is the only hormone that's being replaced, then patients commonly, their memory and retrieval time for words, et cetera, is declined. Hmm. And in fact, they did a study. 98% of people that have low thyroid function do better if they replace both T3 and T4. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. See? That makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. And, and unfortunately, putting all this together sometimes is what the big problem is. Right. Although I think we kind of have some pretty clear steps. I mean, just mm-hmm. in our conversation between understanding what sorts of things, if you, if so what I guess what I kind of heard was if you have some issues and you've gone to your physician and they've done tests or things, they might not be as complete as they need to be. And if they don't have an anti-aging philosophy, kind of depending on where you are, I guess, age-wise, but if they don't have that philosophy, then they might be missing some key diagnostic um, information that could help. And then, and we hear this from a lot of the folks that we talk to, good diet, good stress management, you know, good hydration. I mean, some of the basic building blocks that are unfortunately not the easy fix (laughs) that we all want, um, but are, you know, definitely highly, you know, contribute to the overall, you know, the overall effectiveness of your thyroid or other hormones. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't start with a good foundation, then it's probably going to be really hard to try to fix it, even with a quote-unquote easy fix. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this uh, about um, diet, just real quickly. Are there specific diets? And of course, just junk food diets is the other thing. But one of the Potato chips. But, but, yeah, the potato chip diet would be a bit of a problem. Um, um, but if we uh, look at a vegetarian comparison to a paleo diet, do you see any tendencies for thyroid dysfunction on uh, different diets that that you kind of have to point them to of guy, you, you have to have enough protein or you have a little too much. Are there any concerns there since diets and types of diets are a big deal? Well, it, it really is all about balance. And so if people choose to be a vegetarian or a vegan, then they commonly are low in B12 and they commonly are low in a nutrient called carnitine, mm-hmm. which is an amino acid. Right. And carnitine is pretty much only in red meat and avocados. And very Amen. few other Love systems. both. Love avocados. Love it. <laughs> you know, avocados are food of the gods. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> oh. And so does it matter how you eat? Yes. 
if you live on sugar, then your whole body is going to be inflamed. That doesn't mean that you can't have a dessert now and again. That's not what I'm saying. Or it also doesn't mean if you live on sugar and then you got it out of your diet, you fell off the wagon, you beat yourself up. You just get right back on the wagon Mm -hmm. because they actually did a study. And it was with little laboratory animals, and they put out two bowls. Bowl number one had cocaine. (laughs) Bowl number two had sugar. 98% to 99% of the little laboratory animals ran to the bowl of sugar and not cocaine. So sugar is the most addicting substance on earth. Again, moderation is the key to health. But a lot of times people have inflammatory symptoms because they just plain old live on sugar. Yep. Oh, my. Okay, we, we, we need like again, six, six hours. I was going to say again, I want to keep talking <laughs> to you. But... <laughs> <laughs> However, we need people to read this book. Yes. And put it together, What You Know About Thyroid Disorders. By what Dr. You Must Campbell. Know. Must. You must. What You Must, you must Know About Thyroid Disorders. Yes. Available at Amazon or any bookseller. Absolutely. Dr. Smith, thank you for spending our time with us today. I'm very insightful as as always. I appreciate your clarity. Yes. Uh, you lay, you design true um, steps that are easy to follow and easy to understand. The book does a wonderful job of laying it out, and you have done the same as a guest on our program today, and I want to thank you for that. Oh, thank you so much. It's been delightful to be on your program. Fascinating. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm male and less likely to get it, right? So you say. I'm I male. Mean, you're male. Okay. But um, honestly, to get the complete study, um, uh, which is very uncommonly done. Oh, the complete thyroid workup. Yes. Yep. To actually get the antibodies, get free three and free four and and uh, the TSH and not just count on the TSH right. as a standard. That's huge. Oh, yeah. How many and people I've, I've talked to? Yeah, how many people I've talked to? Like, I, have my th- I did thyroid tests or blood tests and like my TSH number yep. is blah, blah, blah. And they say I'm fine, but yep. I still have all these problems. That's exactly right. Because yeah. many times they're not thorough yeah. enough to be able to do so. And keep in mind that you can have a dysfunction without a disease. Um, she is talking about thyroid disorder. So you can have... Disf- underlying dysfunction mm-hmm. that could be supported in other things, but it really sounds like it comes down to, again, diet. And, and if you're living in the Midwest, really check your iodine. iodine. What an yeah. easy screen right. to do. Right. And if you're a major bread eater, you displace bromide. Yeah. You displace bromide. In fact, I remember a long time ago, they said, do the challenge. I said, okay, what's the challenge? So you take this high amount of iodine. Once you screen that, you're you're even if you're normal, you take a high amount. And if you're a big bread eater, you get that yellow on your hands, right? And and I did too, because I, years ago, used to, you know, I grew up in a German home. If you didn't have bread Schnitzel. and meat, no, there was nothing to eat. <laughs> Schnitzel bread? No. Um, but thyroid disorders, when you're relating to female hormone dysfunction, autoimmune-related things. Strudel, you, not... You know what it is? I think you're thinking about enriched white flour a little I too much. I think it's close to Do you want to share why that you're having this problem? No, I don't. I Other than it's close. I think there should be a lot of details. <laughs> anyway. We're going to do a show on that. Why does Amy have to have enriched white flour to really, live a good life? No, I don't kidding. have to. My brain just says I do. But anyway, no, really good information. Excellent information. In, again, insanely yeah. practical mm-hmm. advice um, on how to live your best life. Yep. We certainly appreciate you tuning in. Look for you next time. Amy Baker, Dr. Sean Benzinger. Humarian Health Podcast. Spilling our guts. For the well-being of yours. That's right.
Thanks for having the guts to listen to the Humarian Health Podcast. If you have things you'd like to gut check, send us an email at gutcheck at humarian.com. 